I am glad that you're able to be here today. I'm glad that I'm able to be here today, too. It's good to see you guys. I love this picture. That lion looks ready to eat the, the teeth uh, that can just shred you. <laughs> Thriving among lions. We're looking at that today, and we're in Daniel chapter 6. So I hope you can turn there. We've been in Daniel chapter 6 for a couple of weeks. And I appreciated uh, Jeff and Randy doing the opener. And Jeff, there's a reason you don't do it that often. Uh, so I'm glad we got that covered for this year. Uh, hey, it's good to have Jim Reeves here. Jim fell and and uh, he actually uh, broke the orbital bone or fractured it, uh, but it didn't do any further damage. And so praise the Lord for that and uh, pray for his recovery. But we also have good news. Uh, Jamie has a new car. So. Uh, she's, she's been waiting for that for a little while. <laughs> uh, so she'll, for a small fee, she'll let you sit in it uh, after church. So <laughs> to smell the interior. So. Hey, um, some of the news we get isn't very good. Uh, this morning, I have a news feed that gives me clips, and I rarely look at it on Sunday morning, and I did this morning. And the first news feed was about a suicide bomber and in Kabul, Afghanistan, and he went into a voter registration area, uh, where people were getting national ID cards and registering. And uh, I, I, I mistakenly called him a suicide bomber. He's a homicide bomber. His goal is to kill other people. And so uh, he, 44 people um, killed. And uh, 48 killed and 112 injured at the time I read the news feed. And so I thought, well, there's got to be a better story than this. The next news feed was about a gunman shooting six, killing four, at a Waffle House in Murfreesboro Park just outside of Nashville. They don't know what's going on there. The third story was about today. Today is Earth Day. It's also Dale's birthday. Today is Earth Day. And in the story of Earth Day, they were talking about this plastic floating island in the Pacific Ocean. It's just a glob of all different kinds of plastics and fishing nets and stuff all floating together. And it's three times the size of France. We should send that to Afghanistan. No. <laughs> But listen, there's tragic world events and significant personal events happening in our lives all the time. So why would we take the time to go back to this story that we have, if you grew up in church as I did, you've heard this story since you could walk. Like, I can't tell you... Uh, and Daniel got thrown in the lions, and you're not going to sit there, because <gasps> you already know the end of the story. You know that he came out just fine. He didn't even have bad lion breath on him. He was fine. 
So this is a story that took place 2,500 years ago, and we all know it, so why are we talking about it? Well, I'm going to share with you six reasons why I think we need to talk about this story and other stories in the Bible, but particularly this one. And the first reason is the historical account of Daniel is a story of a man who chose to trust and follow God. Even though he was brutally kidnapped and hauled off to a foreign country, he chose to trust God and not compromise his faith. Daniel begins with Daniel taking a stand as a teenager saying, I'm going to live for God. I'm not going to defile my body. I'm going to dedicate my life to God. And now at this stage, we're finding Daniel, he's in his 80s, somewhere between 82 and 90 years old. And, and he's lived a long life. He's served under several kings. And they made a decree that it was illegal to pray to anyone except the king. I wonder how many Christians would have a problem with that today. There's a lot of people that don't spend much time praying. But Daniel went and he prayed just like he always did, with the windows open, facing toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day. The guys who despised him, they showed up, and they looked in that window, and they saw what he was doing. And then they ran uh, to tell the king. But look in verse 10. Daniel chapter 6 and verse 10. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees and prayed three times that day. And prayed and gave thanks before his God as his custom since early days. Did you catch that? He got down on his knees, he prayed and gave thanks. He already knew the ordinance was signed. He already knew the rule of law was if he was caught doing that, he'd be thrown in with the lions. And he still gave thanks to God. Why? Because every day we have something we can give thanks to God for. Years ago, somebody challenged me to keep a praise journal, uh, to write something down every single day that was a praise to God. And I did that for a while. Uh, it really changed my focus. I was so focused on what was going wrong and needing fix that I intentionally started trying to praise God every day. And Daniel did that. His faith is an example to us. He chose to trust God and not compromise, even though there was a price to be paid. The second reason the historical account of Daniel is important it's a snapshot of our human struggle. Since the first family on earth, when Cain murdered Abel, people have been attacking each other and seeking to kill each other for illogical reasons. My pastor, when I was a kid, his father was murdered for 50 bucks. People have been attacking each other, killing each other. Sometimes due to greed, sometimes envy, Daniel's enemies behave just like some of the people we read about on the news. Verse 11, 
Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and make, making supplication before his God. And they went before the king and spoke concerning the king's decree. Have you not signed a decree that every man who petitions any god or man within 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? The king answered and said, The thing is true, according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. So they answered and said before the king, That Daniel, do you hear? Listen, there's animosity that comes out here. There's bias against him being an Israelite. Uh, Jews have been persecuted through millenniums. This is not new. It was going on in Daniel's day. Daniel, who was one of the captives from Judah, who does not show regard for you, O king. Daniel was the most respectful man in the king's uh, advisors. But he does not show due regard for you, O king or for the decree that you have signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Now, it said evening and morning and noon. They kept track of the day. They started the new day at 6 p.m. instead of at midnight when we do, at 12.00001. That's when our new day starts. And uh, But they started it uh, at 6 in the evening. So evening and morning and noon. These guys were out there in the evening. Yeah, there's Daniel praying. Hey, guys, we'll see you in the morning. They'd all go home, get up in the morning, maybe before they even had breakfast. They'd run over. Yeah, he's doing it again. So then they'd break up, and then they'd come back at noon. Ah, he's doing it again. Time to go see the king. They were watching. They were observing. They were despising Daniel. And... Today, we have people who do the same thing. Now, don't get me wrong. There's some good politicians. There's some honorable public servants out there. There's some good journalists who do a good job keeping us informed and understanding. But there's some others. And their goal is to find dirt on somebody. And they will dig and dig and dig. And that's what these politicians here, 120 of them, they decided they were going to dig and find dirt on Daniel, and they couldn't. They said in verse 5, we can't find any dirt on this guy. The only thing is if we make it illegal to worship his God, then we've got him. Because we know Daniel is committed to his God. And so they talked the king into this bogus law. There's people like that today. If you have not experienced someone like that, you have a very sheltered life. There are people who are going to, they're not going to like you just because you have a red beard. Sorry, Ben. Just because you used to be in the Navy. Sorry, Randy and Jim. They're not going to like you because you wear glasses or don't wear glasses or have gray hair or don't have enough hair. People are going to find something and people are going to complain and fuss. If you drive too fast, they'll complain. If you drive too slow, they'll complain. So we live in a culture where people are looking to find fault with other people. And they throw it all over the internet, all kinds of accusations against people. And even once you've proven it's false, 
The accusations keep getting bannered around because it never goes away on the internet. We live in a world of people who enjoy tearing other people down instead of helping other people up. Just like Daniel's day. Did you know that in the last 2,500 years, human nature has not changed? There are people just like those people. The third reason this is important, the historical account of Daniel is a warning to those who serve in public positions to be very careful about the rules and laws they may enact. One of the things Tim and Clorinda and I have done uh, with our WANA program, we've tried to be consistent with rules and that, and we've tried to think through and talk about Well, if we make that rule, how will that affect this club or that club or this club or if we change something? Why? Because you got to keep it consistent. Now, Darius was the king and Darius was in charge. And they came to him and they said, King, why don't you make this law? And they're kind of buttering him up and he's like, Ooh, I like the sound of that. For a month, I'm not just the king, I'm the man. Yeah, I could do that for a month. What? That sounds like a great idea. And he signed it into law. What should he have done? He should have talked with some other people. He should have looked around the room to see if there was anybody in his advisors that was not there. He would have realized Daniel wasn't there and he could have said, I'm going to check with Daniel about this one. Tell you, years ago, I got invited to participate in a missions thing. Uh, served with a mission board. Um, now, I, I help a little bit with International Baptist Missions, but uh, I, it was a different mission board, and I had not done anything with them before. Uh, but they contacted me and asked me if I'd be willing to serve and be one of the pastors who helps evaluate the candidates for uh, serving on the mission board. And, and it seemed like, well, that could be a good fit. Uh, for me, and so I talked to the deacons about it. And the deacons pretty much said, well, we think you're already busy enough. We, we don't think that would help you or our church. And on the advice and counsel from the deacons, I said no. And I didn't do that. And I'm glad. See, you don't have all the answers. Now, I'm going to say this again to the teenagers that are here. You don't have all the answers. I know when you're a teenager, you feel like you do, right? Uh, When you have a position of authority over anybody, whether it's the parenting or on the job or in public, you need to make sure the decisions you make are good decisions. One of the problems that we have in America is we have politicians and business leader making good decisions for the politician or the business leader, but not for the people. And we have business leaders getting rich and then having to lay off all kinds of their workers. And here was a politician, a public figure. He made a really bad decision Because he listened to one interest group instead of 
getting contrary opinions. Instead of seeking outsiders who didn't have a vested interest. So if you ever are in a position to make decisions, make sure you scout around and get other people's opinions. Find some people that you know and trust. Either they don't have to be a mentor to you. Uh, they could be like the deacons and I. We discuss things and bounce it back and forth. And we've made decisions and changed decisions because of information that came up in our dialogues and discussions. In our ministry leadership team, we've talked about things and, and worked things out together. In fact, uh, well, I don't know, a couple years ago, I really thought we should support this, this missionary, uh, this, this work. It wasn't really a gospel preaching missionary, but it was somebody who was helping a lot of churches in the United States. And I thought, oh, we should do this. And so I presented it to the missions team, and they said no. So I said, I'm the pastor, and this is what we're doing. You know what I said? I said, well, they don't want to do that. And we've encouraged them to be the missions team to help approve missionaries and They don't want to approve it, so we won't do it. And we didn't. Because Christ is in charge of this church, and we're all believer priests, and we all have a say. In fact, even if they had approved it, the congregation still could have voted it down. Because we choose. And you need to build accountability to other people. Darius had not done that at this point, and he got in trouble. There's a fourth thing. Um, oh, I, I didn't read those verses, did I? Um, yeah, well, there's... I got distracted. I'm sorry. Look in verse uh, 17. Or, sorry. In verse 13, they, Daniel, that one. And so in verse 14, the king, when he heard these words was greatly displeased with who? Himself. He knew those guys set him up. But who was he frustrated with? Himself. He didn't do due diligence to chase it down. And so he set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. He labored till the going down of the sun to deliver him. Hours went by. He's agonizing, he's fretting, he's worrying. Then these men approached the king again and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no decree or statute which the king establishes may be changed. So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel, and they cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve, will, whom you serve continually, He will deliver you. Now, in Daniel chapter 5, Daniel says this about Nebuchadnezzar. uh, Because of the majesty that God gave him, all peoples, nations, languages trembled and feared before him. Whomever he wished, he executed. Whomever he wished, he kept alive. Whomever he wished, he set up. Whomever he wished, he put down. Nebuchadnezzar ruled by fiat. Whatever the king wanted, that's what happened. And see, in Nebuchadnezzar's day, Nebuchadnezzar couldn't have gotten tricked into a law because Nebuchadnezzar could rule by fiat. And he could say, that earlier decree I made is no longer valid. Here's the new law. 
See, in a, in a way, well, we have a sort of recent history example of this. When Mao Zedong was uh, taking over in China, he encouraged a lot of Chinese people to step up and do things and serve, and, and people started, and, and there was this great movement uh, in China. And then the Red Guard came in and sat down with Mao Zedong, and they said, listen, you will stop or you will die. Here's the rules, and you can be in charge if you stay within these parameters. And so he did. And all those people who had done exactly what he asked them to do, they were punished. Some of them were put in prison. Some of them were executed. And so Nebuchadnezzar could have done that. But in the... Medes and Persians in Persian law, their law was rule. They had not rule by fiat, they had rule by law. So the king could make any law he wanted, but once the law was made, you had to obey the law. Even the king had to obey the law. He had to follow. He had to toe the line, if you will. He could draw the line, but then he had to stay on the line. So Babylon's also had a method of execution. What was it in Babylon? The fiery furnace. That was their method of execution. In uh, Medo-Persia, what was the method of execution? Throw them to the lions. So they dug a deep pit, and they'd drop a person down in the pit, and they'd roll a stone over it so the person couldn't get out. And I, I don't know how big the pit was, but there must have been a lot of lions based on what happens next. But Darius was pressured by politicians lobbying for something, and he should have sought wise counsel for someone else, and he did not. The fourth, historic, the account of... I can't read today. The historical account of Daniel reminds us some, of something about God. Listen carefully. God is not passive. The deists believe that God created, got everything going, and then said, oh, check it out, see you later, and moved on. And God's not really involved and engaged in our culture. God is not passive. He is involved. He is engaged. He's evaluating your thoughts. He's evaluating your actions. If you have trusted and received Jesus Christ as your Savior, He's looking forward to rewarding you for faithfulness someday. He's holding back some things because you're not being faithful if you're not. Uh, God knows everything and he's intimately involved in his creation. Look at verse 19. Well, verse 18. The king went to his palace, spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him and also his sleep went from him. The word for musicians that... They don't know exactly what it means. Some say different things, whether it was no food was brought, no entertainments, no diversions. The king didn't want anybody, anything. It was just the king. And he was fretting and worrying over Daniel. And he arose early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice uh, to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel! Daniel! Servant of the living God, 
Has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. That's what they would culturally say in that day. Daniel had never said that before. But he said that. Verse 22, My God. Did you catch that? Not just the God. My God. Sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Daniel said, I've been very faithful to you. And yet that law was passed. Verse 23, Then the king was exceeding glad for Daniel, for him, and commanded they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den, and no injury whatever was found on him, because he believed in his God. Now, the angel of God came in. What did, did Daniel see the angel? Did he see what the angel did? Did the angel tap the mouths of the lions and they just shut up? You know, when I was a kid, I pictured the Lord closed their mouths and I pictured the lions coming up and like bumping against Daniel because they couldn't open their mouth, but they could bump him. And, but it says there was no harm on him. He didn't have bruises. He didn't have scrapes. He spent the night in what was called the execution chamber. And he comes out just fine. Daniel reminds us that God is not passive. God put his angel in there. God shut the mouths of the lions. Now I know God does not intervene every time. And I don't know why. And I don't know how he chooses when and where to intervene. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego uh, were in the furnace. And uh, Adrian Rogers reminded us on Monday in the men's Bible study. That was really good. And God looks at life and death differently than we do. And uh, God would deliver Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They knew God would deliver them from the king, but they weren't sure if God would spare their lives. But they chose to be faithful anyway. And so too, Daniel is confident that in the end, he will be with the Lord. But when he went down in that pit of lions, he wasn't sure he was coming out in the morning. As Job said long ago, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another. Hebrews 11.33 alludes to Daniel when it says, uh, Believers who walked in faith, subdued kingdom, worked, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. But a few verses later, that same writer in Hebrews mentions others who were tortured, stoned, sawn in two, de destitute, afflicted, and tormented. God is engaged God is involved. God also is in charge. He intervenes at the time when he thinks intervention is the right thing. The process of deliverance sometimes is painful and slow, but we will, we will be delivered from the cares of this life. 
the lion of the tribe of Judah is one of the names of Jesus. The lion of the tribe of Judah shut the mouth of the lions of the Persian Empire. Satan is also described as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. But the Lord is the Almighty One, and the devouring lions could not touch Daniel. The lions couldn't eat him. They couldn't scratch him. They couldn't give him a headbutt. I like to picture him laying at night. You know, he's got his back resting on one lion, his legs stretched over another lion, snoozing away. While Darius is in his chamber, oh, worried and fretting and walking and pacing and can't sleep. And Daniel's just snoozing. You know, I kind of picture in the morning, Daniel, are you okay? Uh, Yeah, I'm uh, okay and live forever. Uh, I don't know that Daniel slept. But I have a vivid imagination. Listen, Daniel spent the night in the most dangerous place in the kingdom. And he came out just fine. Benjamin earlier was talking about the Papiuses and and their ministry in Puerto Rico. Uh, You know, when we took them on for support, Jeff said we should send a deacon there. Maybe we should send you there now to help with the rebuilding program, Jeff. (laughs) You know, uh, we have another missionary, Leonard and Susie Smith. They're missionaries in uh, Culiacan, Mexico. And they live in one of the most violent areas in all the drug violence. Actually, just down the street from their church is where one of the drug lords lives. And and uh, one time when Leonard was here in our church and people were asking him about it, and they said, aren't you afraid to be living so close to all that? And Leonard said the same thing Daniel would have said. The safest place on planet earth is in the center of God's will. We don't know whether God will deliver miraculously as he did for Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but we do know this. The safest place to be is obeying God. You trust God and leave the consequences with him. You do what's right. And that's what he did. God is not passive. He is engaged and he is involved in our culture. Uh, Another reason why the historical account of Daniel is important, it's a warning to those who will pursue evil. There is a day of judgment. And those around you are hurt by your evil deeds. Uh, Look at verse number uh, 24. Wait, don't look at it yet. Look up here just for a minute, okay, before we read this. There are parts of the Bible that are descriptive and parts of the Bible that are prescriptive. You know what a prescription is? It's something the doctor said, you need to take this. So parts of the Bible are prescriptive. God's saying, you need to do this. Parts are descriptive. This is one of those descriptive. It's just saying, this is what happened. He's not saying, this is what they should have done, and I was proud of them. It's saying this is what they did, okay? Verse 24. And the king gave the command, and they brought those men who had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the den of lions, them with their children and their wives, and the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. How many people got thrown in? 
Well, we don't know. We know that originally there could have been as many as 120 people arguing against Daniel. And some say it was just the ringleaders of the group, and that's quite possible. The king would have known who the ringleaders were. But those lions were so hungry that they devoured the people before they hit the ground. One after another, after another, after another. Now, Deuteronomy 24, 16 says, Fathers shall not be put to death for their children, nor shall children be put to death for their fathers. A person shall be put to death for his own sin. When God evaluates, God will not hold you responsible for the sins of your parents. But he will hold you responsible for your own sin. And that was a wrong thing they did. That's what they did in that culture. That's how they tried to eradicate evil. It was bad. God counsels against that. But Proverbs 11 also says, As righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. Those who are of a perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord, something God really hates. But the blameless, those who choose to live for God, in their ways are his delight. Though they join forces, the wicked will not go unpunished. But the posterity of the righteous will be delivered. See, if you have kids and grandkids, they will have a better life if you live for God. You can be a center point of God's blessing. And the people who are around you and impacted by your life at home and on the job, their life can be better because you walk with God. And if you don't, their life can be hurt because you don't walk with God. But listen, one of the best reasons for going back and looking at the historical record of Daniel is to remind ourselves who we worship and how we worship him. Look at verse 25. Then King Darius wrote, To all peoples, this includes you and me, all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. There's lots of false gods. He is the living God. And steadfast forever. God has not lost touch. God doesn't get Alzheimer's or, or dementia or tired. He's just as much 100% fully omnipotent God today as he ever has been and always will be. We wear out. God does not. Steadfast forever. His kingdom. Here's a king, a mighty king. A king who's part of a network of mighty kings in the Medo-Persian Empire. And he says, uh, this king, I make it a... Or, uh, 
in the end of verse 26. His dominion, the Lord's dominion. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall endure to the end. Darius knows. He's already in his 60s. He knows he's not going to be king forever. He knows the end is going to come. And, but God's kingdom is going to endure. He's the one. Now, I'm not against people being politically active. I'm not against people wanting to serve in politics and wanting to improve our world. But remember what Isaiah said? The nations are as a drop in a bucket. God is the mighty one. His kingdom rules. Then he says, He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. The historical account of Daniel is a call to worship the one true living God. Our world's a mess. Our culture is a mess. Sometimes our heads are a mess. But our God rules and reigns. Someday, even if you end up with dementia and can't remember who you are, even if you can look at a loved one you've spent 60 years with and not know their name, God knows those who have received Him. And God takes you home to be with Him when your life on earth ends. Whether it's in a fiery furnace or lions or a car crash or a lingering illness. When you go home to be with the Lord, you are fully and finally delivered from all the problems of life on earth. Darius gave a testimony of the awesomeness of who God is and a challenge to everyone to believe and worship this one true living God. Are you doing that? Are you worshiping Him from your heart? Are you telling other people this is the one true God who should be worshipped? Father, I thank You for this passage in Scripture and thank You for the challenge it gives us, a reminder that You are here. You are engaged and involved in our lives. You're not just watching, keeping track, keeping score. You're helping and strengthening and encouraging. You give us the power to breathe. I pray that we would live in a way that would bring glory to you. I pray that we would not get distracted by this life. And that even if, even if people get involved in politics, Lord, that they would not make it their life that their life would be centered in you. Thank you that you are worthy of our praise. Thank you that the enemies of Daniel did not last, but Daniel did. 
And he lived on to serve for several more years before you called him home. May we be faithful in the years we have before you call us home. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a hymn in the hymn book. We used to sing it all the time. We don't sing it as often, but we believe it just as much. Only trust Him. If you have never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you need to ask Him to forgive your sins and be your Savior. We can show you in the Bible why that's important and how you should do that. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you need to make a commitment you're really going to live for Him because we get drawn away. There's all kinds of people pulling and influencing and drawing away. We need to choose to trust and follow the Lord. Let's stand as we sing.